Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Several weeks ago, last time I shared with you guys, I talked about the new covenant and, um, we love the new covenant. We, we, we love that we're not living under the old covenant, but we're living under the new covenant. We love that. But today I want to talk about faith. Everybody say faith. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to have faith. Now look at your other neighbor and say, sing it. You got to have faith. Faith, faith, faith. All right. So, so today we're talking about faith. And, you know, if you talk about faith and the subject of faith, you, there's a character in Scripture that you can't leave out from the conversation of faith. And his name is Abraham. Everybody say Abraham. And Abraham, by many, is considered the father of faith or the father of faithfulness because he's the first person that we see in Scripture that exemplifies great faith, that he was a person, he was a man that was justified by his faith. And, and it's very key in us to look back at the life of Abraham. Uh, many would look back at the life of Moses and look at the covenant that Moses had and try to compare the new covenant to the old covenant in the sense of the Mosaic covenant. But really the new covenant is a lot more like the covenant that God had with Abraham. And we're going to talk about that for just a moment today. Galatians chapter three, if you want to turn on your Bibles or open up your app or open your Bible, wherever you're at, whatever school you're in today. Galatians chapter three, verse 20. For you are all, everybody say all. Now he's talking to the church, come on. You are all children of God through faith. Everybody say through faith. So that tells us if we don't have faith, we're not a child of God. Y'all good with that? All right. Scripture speaks very clearly of this. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on the character of Christ. Oh, come on. Like putting on, I love this, like putting on new clothes. So when you came to Jesus, it's like you got new clothes. I mean, you, know, the, you got a new robe. You got a robe of righteousness. Your old robe was like filthy rags, no matter how good you were. But when you came to Jesus, he gave you a new robe. Come on. So we put Christ on like we put on clothing. It's a covering for us. Verse 28, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now you belong to Christ. And check this out. You are the true children of Abraham. You are the children of Abraham. Y'all be, you guys remember ever sing that song in children's church? If you were in children's church, Father Abraham had many sons. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons have father. Yeah, that's good. I'm one of them. So let's just. All right, we're, all, we're good there. So what does the song say? The song says that, that we can be the children of Abraham. That's weird because I'm, I'm not a Jew. But the thing is, is when God gave this promise to Abraham, he promised descendants. And so one of the reasons why we refer to, refer to the Jews as the Jewish, the Jewish nation, when we refer to the what we would call the nation of Israel, it's actually the Jewish state. Why? Because the nation of Israel is all over the world. However, there were people that were Jews in Jesus' time going around going, we're the children of Abraham. We're the children of Abraham. And you remember what Jesus told them? He said, you're not the children of Abraham. Remember the religious people? He said that. He said, you're not the true children of Abraham. 
He said, you're actually the child of your father, the devil. Jesus told this to the, to the religious people. He said, you're actually of your father, the devil. Why? Because in order to be a true child of Abraham, you've got to have faith. You've got to place your faith in Jesus. Check this out. You are all the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. So all the things that God promised Abraham, follow me, belong to us. Why? Because we have the same inheritance that Abraham had. See, we we call this the Abrahamic covenant under the Old Testament. Check this out. Genesis chapter 12. We're going to talk about faith today, but we got to set this thing up. Genesis 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, this is before he changed his name to Abraham, leave, oh, leave your native country, your comfortable place, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. Now, it's not the land he had shown him, the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families, this is so good, all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. What was he speaking? He was speaking of the blessing of God coming through inheritance. How do we inherit what was promised to Abraham? By faith. We come to, we, when we come to Jesus, we become children of Abraham. This is why I refer to him as the father of faith. So there's three points of the Abrahamic covenant. Real quick, number one is the promise of new territory. Leave the land. I'm going to show you a new one. Territory. I'm believing that in the natural land, physical land. Yes, come on. Ten acres, Lord. The promise of new territory. What is that speaking of? Dominion. Right? We see this all throughout Scripture. Dominion, territory. Number two, the promise of descendants. What is that? Reproduction. Can I tell you that it's not just speaking of physical reproduction? You need to reproduce. You need to have lots of children. Lots and lots of children. I'll just declare that over you. My quiver is full at four, but yours might be 12. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Have many, many children. Populate the earth. But it's not just speaking. You got to understand that Scripture is not just speaking of physical offspring, but spiritual offspring. Did you know that you, you're not just a child of God, but God has ordained you to be somebody's spiritual parent? That God has called you to mother and father a generation, no matter how old you are, that you will have spiritual descendants? It's why Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. What is that? Spiritual descendants. It's a promise for you. This is what we're called to. It's our destiny, that we would have dominion, that we would have offspring, reproduction. Number three, the promise of blessing. He said, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. So how many know, you might not know this, Abraham was filthy rich. He was extremely rich, but he wasn't greedy. Come on. It wasn't all about him. He was a generous man. And and God said this, that all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. How many know you got to have in order to give? So God wants you, when we make those declarations, God wants you to be blessed so you can be a blessing, not just so you can have fat pockets. Listen, your success financially is not how much money you can get. It's how much you can give away. How successful are you financially? How much are you giving away? That's our success in the kingdom. Success in the kingdom is not accumulation. It's distribution. All of it. 
physically, spiritually. Come on, our time, our energy, our money, all our success in the kingdom is not how much I can get from God, but how much the, that God can give through me. How can God use my life? This is the promise to Abraham, and it's the promise to you. Right back in that verse. I will bless, where was it? Right here. Verse 29, Galatians 3. You are the children of Abraham, the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Amen. Isn't that a good promise? Dominion, reproduction, a conduit of blessing. Now, the new covenant, similar, very similar to the covenant of Abraham. Because it hinges on two things. Are you with me? Check this out. James 2.23, Abraham believed God, and God counted it or credited it to him as righteousness because of his faith. And the second part is he was called a friend of God. So the new covenant is just like the Abrahamic covenant that it hinges on these two things. Number one, righteousness that comes by faith. What is righteousness? Righteousness is right standing. That's what righteousness is. So you have right standing with God because of your faith. And the second thing that, we, that is similar about the new covenant is it's rooted in connection, friendship with God. So you have the, how do you attain the, th- the promise of Abraham? Two things, faith and connection. Believe and connect with God. This is how you inherit the new covenant. Are y'all okay? Y'all just thinking real good. Good, good, good. So we talk a lot about connection. In fact, we're going to devote a, a series to that starting in August. But today I want to talk about the faith, the believing part, because this is where we, where we struggle. I mean, we don't really live in a culture that provides a lot of room for faith, do we? I mean, everything's provided for us. We're entitled to everything. If you don't need something, somebody else is going to take care of it. Maybe you trust the government. And so this is why so many times that our lives are so shaky. It's because we haven't developed faith. So when something difficult comes, when something hard, we don't have any kind of structure inside of us eternally to go through trials. And we crumble. Why? Because we've never done anything by faith. Everything's always been given to us. Listen. You will never do anything significant in the kingdom of God without faith. Nothing, never. Well, it's all about the grace of God. You can't tap into the grace of God without faith. Grace comes through faith. Listen, realities of faith. Y'all ready? Number one, faith in Christ makes us righteous. We know this. Romans 3.22. Jesus had some religious people come to him in John chapter 6. And they said, Lord... What is the work that you require? What do you, what do you require? Just, just tell us. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want, Jesus? What's your requirement? What's the standard? What's the work God requires? And Jesus says this, believe in the one that he has sent. See, we are made righteous by our faith in Christ. Faith is what makes you right with God. It's not your works. It's not your good deeds. It's not your effort. It's not even your belief system. It's your, unless that belief system is rooted in Christ. Because some people would say, well, it's your sincerity that makes you right with God. No, it's not, because you can be sincerely wrong and die and go to hell. You've got to have faith in what God provided for you to be righteous. And that is the man Jesus. It's the work he requires. What is the work God requires? To believe in the one he has sent. What does that mean? Number two, faith is 
active trust. See, I don't really like the word faith because when we start using the word faith, we start attaching words to it that take away from its meaning. We start saying things like blind faith or leap of faith, which these things kind of pull away from the meaning. Or we think, well, just believe. Believe in your heart. You know, we just went to Disney uh, a week and a half ago, and, you know, it's all about just believe. Just believe in yourself, right? Just believe, 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 believe. And what do, what, do we, what do we mean when we say that? I think that a lot of that is just kind of wishful thinking. And many times when we use the word faith, we think that, well, if I can just think mentally a certain way that I'm having faith. No, no, no. Faith is what you're doing, what my kids did whenever we went to Orlando Two weeks ago, we loaded up in our van, we put all of our stuff in the back, and the kids sit in the van and rode in the van. They didn't go, hey, Dad, where are we going? Because I'd already told them. They simply trusted in the journey. They simply trusted. They got in the van. What is faith? Faith is active trust. Get in the van. Sit in the seat. Faith right now. You have faith in the seat that you're sitting in. Faith is active Trust. It means I'm fully invested in this thing. So when Jesus says, believe in me, he's saying, invest in me. Trust me. Rest in me. Are you with me? We're not talking about easy beliefism, which a lot of people just believe. You know, uh, part of the problem that we have, um, and, and it's not that it's a bad place to start, just ask Jesus into your heart and you believe. So if you just say this little thing, I'm not saying that, that's a bad place to start. It's a great place to start. But, it, but we've kind of minimized faith into this easy beliefism thing that, that has no, uh, no investment attached. It's just a thinking pattern. And thinking patterns are involved, but it's far greater than a thinking pattern. Most of the time, it's not even a thinking pattern. It's a thought. Faith, oh, I believe. Do you? Or did you think once? Maybe it is a thinking pattern and not a thought. So, Check this out. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. Let me say this about faith. Faith comes before understanding. Hebrews 11.3 says this. is that by faith we know that the world was created by him. So faith comes before you understand, God, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm sitting here. I don't know why I'm in the room. I don't know why I'm in the car. I don't know why I'm on the journey, but I'm here, and I'm staying, and I'm not going anywhere. I trust you. I'm active. I don't know what tomorrow's going to look like. I don't know where I'm going to be in 10 years, but I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the vehicle. I trust, active trust. So it comes before understanding. You might not, listen, you might not fully have all the nuts and bolts and dots, dots, eyes dotted and T's crossed and all that kind of stuff. But you just, I trust God. I don't know. I don't know what tomorrow's going to look like. I don't know what the doctor's going to say. I don't know if the, if, how, the, how the bills are going to get paid. I don't know how I'm going to get through this season of my life, but I'm trusting God and I'm not going anywhere. This is the best place to be. Trusting God. Everybody say trust. Number three, faith is necessary. Let me add the word there. Absolutely necessary to please God. Did you know you can't please God without faith? Oh, man, God's just pleased with everybody. Hold up. 
Let's look, let's look and see if that holds up to the scrutiny of Scripture. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It is impossible to please God without faith. Pretty straightforward. Anyone who wants to come to him, remember that connection part, must believe that God exists and that he rewards those that seek him. So faith is absolutely necessary to please God. You cannot please God outside of a life of faith. You can work, 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 work until Jesus comes. Blood, sweat, tears, all that kind of stuff. But if there is no trust inside of you for Jesus and you're fully invested in his leading and his guiding and his direction, if there is no trust there's no pleasure in God, no matter how much your effort is. Now, when you're seated in that place and you're working from it, it totally ravishes this heart. But without faith, you can't please God. So stop looking for the easy road. Number four, faith will be tested. I'm not going to go into it, but James 1, 22, 1 2, 2 through 4 Faith will be tested. There's no getting out of it. The ride will get bumpy. The road will be longer than you expected. But will you trust? Because your faith will be tested. Because that's one of the ways that you grow your faith is by being tested. Number five, faith produces. Faith produces. Faith produces. Did you know that your actions prove what you believe? Your actions prove what you believe. I believe God called us to love all people. Are you loving all people? Do you believe that? Oh, yeah, sure do. With all my heart. How are you living? I believe that my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. When's the last time you gave the Lord something? I believe the Lord is my source of strength. Yet every day you're waking up going, I'm just so burned out. I need to eliminate things from my schedule. Where's the trust in that? Y'all all right? Faith produces. Listen, in the, under the new covenant, you cannot eliminate obedience. Are you with me today? You cannot eliminate obedience because if you're not obeying, it's because you don't believe. If you believe, you will obey. You can obey without believing. You can. You can obey without believing, but you can't believe without obeying. Obeying just follows belief. Well, I don't believe that. Well, read the scriptures. Because if you don't believe that, you're wrong. There you go. Tweet that. All right. Listen, faith that won't work, don't work. Faith that won't work, don't work. It's not faith. Faith that won't work, don't work. I can sit around all day long and look at that chair and say, I think that chair would hold a person. Go out and look at my van. I think that van would drive to Orlando. I think so. I can do old change. Right? I pump gas in it. But until you get in the vehicle, your faith has not been exemplified. Faith that won't work, don't work. Say that. Faith that won't work, don't work. It don't work because it's not faith. James 2.18, 
Now, some may argue, some people have faith. Others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there's one God? Good for you. Awesome. Even the demons believe this. You know what's called when someone says, I believe, and they don't produce good works? Devil faith. That's devil faith. Demon faith. Faith without works is demon faith. Scared? The devil, even the demons believe. I, I believe in God. I, you know, being in the ministry a long time, you run into people and they're like, they've been living their lives like the devil, right? All, all their life. And, and I'll be like, man, how's your relationship with God? I believe in God. Well, great. Even the demons believe that. I'm not trying to sound harsh, but for real, that does not get you anywhere. It's like looking at the chair and going, hmm, that's awesome. Great chair. Great car. Wonderful. I believe. I believe in the chair. Right? (laughs) Devil faith. It's just devil faith. If you say you have faith, for you believe there's one God good for you, even the demons believe this, and they tremble. Listen, they even have a reaction. They tremble in fear. Hmm. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? There's a song that says, uh, it's like a screen door in a submarine. Right? Something like that. So you're not, listen, you're not saved by your good works. Let's get this straight. Right? You're saved by your faith. Right? But you are saved for good works. You're saved for good works. You're saved for the new covenant. You're saved for blessing and increase. That's what you're saved for. You're for spiritual descendants. You're, you're saved for dominion. You're saved for those things. Let me just say this talking about works. Faith speaks. I believe, therefore I spoke. Faith speaks. You say what you believe. So if you're negative all the time, What kind of faith are you demonstrating? If you're complaining all the time, if you're talking about your lack all the time, oh, I'm just so tired all the time, just so discouraged all the time, I'm just so sick all the time, I'm just so, do you believe that he's your healer? I believe. Make sure that you, when you're singing those songs, you're you're not doing devil faith. Make sure that you're trusting it. Come on, let's just be real. I love you. Come on. Let's just be real. Faith is not an easy thing, and it's not some etherical kind of, oh, let's sing a song about it. No, it's active trust. It's sticking in the grind. It's perseverance. Faith speaks. Faith sings. When you have faith, man, when you have faith in the Lord, it totally changes the way that you talk. Man, it doesn't mean that you go around and go, like, if you're not feeling well and you go around and go, you go, you go, oh, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. Because you, you could be in denial, right? It's okay to say this. I don't feel very good, but I know the Lord has purchased my healing. Well, the doctor's saying this, and this is what's going on in my body. By the name of Jesus and by the cross, come on, I'm provi- my healing is provided for. Come on, just because you're stating your reality doesn't mean you're a doubter. But just make sure that when you state the reality, that you state the greater reality. Make sure that you don't just state your condition. You start speaking what's coming. And that will build your faith too. All right. And faith sings. Let me say that also. 
Faith sings. That's why we sing these songs. Oh, I just I don't feel like singing. Well, you should sing because you're not moved by your feelings. You're moved by your faith, right? Faith, 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 faith. So how do we expand our faith? Thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate that. Uh, I think it's Corey Tim Boone said this: "Is faith sees the invisible, believes the incredible, and receives the impossible." Man, I, I want to see the impossible. I want to see the impossible. Faith sees the invisible, believes the incredible, and receives the impossible. I want it. I'll, I'll, I want to see miracles in the house. Come on. I want to see financial breakthrough. I want to see breakthrough in your family. I want to see broken relationships in your family healed. Don't you want to see that? you got to believe. You've got to invest in the Lord. And some of you have been riding the fence. Like, you just need to sell out to belief. Sell out to your faith. Quit struggling. Well, today I believe God, tomorrow. James says that's an unstable man. Uh, he's unstable man, and he's moved by the waves. And he's unstable in a double-minded man. He's unstable in all he does. So James says, oh, today I'm doing, how are you doing pretty good? Well, this week I was up and down and up and down. How about you just get on this side of the fence, quit playing games, burn the ship, and come on. Let's sell out to this thing. Let's quit playing games. It's a total buy-in. It's faith. I got in the vehicle. I'm not like, oh, I'm not sure. It's all, you know, I don't have enough gas. Well, it's going to make it. Look, the tire looks a little lower than the other one. One of the greatest stories of faith and doubt that happened at the same time as the story of Peter. We know when Peter got in the boat. And walked on the water, and it says this in, in Matthew chapter 14 that Jesus had just fed his disciples. Jesus and his disciples actually fed uh, 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread. You guys remember that story? And so they, like, see this miracle. They're like, yeah, thank you, Jesus. We've been, like, believing for this, and here it is, the provision of God. It says that they had more left over than what they started with. And, like, God was just pouring out. Like, they're experiencing revival. It's like, yeah. And Jesus is like, this is so awesome. And the disciples are like, yes. Yeah, Lord, I want to see more miracles. He's like, come on. We want to see more. Yeah, let's go. He's like, well, why don't you guys go to the other side of the lake because there's more miracles there, and I'm going to go around the lake, and I'll get there eventually. You know, it's going to freak you out. But go ahead and just go ahead and go without me. Go ahead and I'll I'll catch up with you guys. And y'all go to the other side of the lake. This is what it says in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. It says, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat. She tells us they were in the boat before. Back into the boat, cross to the other side of the lake. And when he sent the people home, all the people that were eating, after sending, sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Scripture tells us that Jesus often did this. He often withdrew himself to go and pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land. So Jesus, maybe Jesus saw the storm coming. He's like, you guys go ahead. I'll be there in a minute, right? Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, and a strong wind had risen, and they were frightened with heavy waves. Now, wouldn't you know it that and this is the way it is, every time something phenomenal happens, here comes the storm. This too will pass. The storm and the awesome miracle, right? Right? You're going to, I know it's like, yeah, come on, glory. Yes, praise the Lord. But the storm is coming. 
Will you be able to, woo, come on, glory, during the storm? That's the question. So wouldn't you know, just as soon as victory, and this happens with all of us, as soon as you get a great breakthrough, what happens? A storm shows up, testing of your faith. And let me just say this. If we're going to go to the other side, if we're going to experience the next thing, we'll have to go through a storm. You're not, you're not going to walk into a greater level of increase in your life, increase of faith, increase of blessing. You're not going to walk into that without going through some things. It's just the way it is. When we, uh, when God called us to plant this church, man, we had like every word from the Lord God was, like, really building our faith. We were like, man, we knew without a shadow of a doubt. And then we got out here, and we couldn't find a house. So technically, we weren't living on the streets, but technically, we were homeless for a couple months. We didn't know where we were going to live. We didn't know if this whole plant and church thing was going to work. And, uh, and I heard a quote during that season that says, you know, God opens one door or closes one door and opens another, but sometimes it's hell in the hallway. And I thought, man, ain't that the truth? Sometimes when you're in the middle of transition, it is storm. The storm is raging. It's heavy rain. It's like, what is going on? And so the disciples are experiencing this. They're in transition. And it says it's about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water in the middle of the storm. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were afraid. And in their fear... They were afraid of Jesus. Oh, no. They cried out, it's a ghost. Jeez. How many of you know that sometimes when you're going through the storm, when God shows up, you you don't even recognize him? And God was showing up. He was right there. And they were like, it's a ghost. (laughs) But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. Oh, we thought you were a demon. We thought you were a ghost, Lord. And they were like, uh, is that Jesus? I mean, he just said, is it Jesus? Tell us to be courageous. That's funny. Does he see what's going on here? <laughs> Courage. What's he talking about? I'd like to see you get in the boat, Jesus. Tell me to be courageous. And Peter called to him. And Peter spoke up like always, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Let's see if it's really the Lord. Let's see him do another miracle right now. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the other side of the boat. Now, sometimes when we visualize this story, we think it's like this like little canoe, you know. But these, these are like huge shipping boats that were like, could have been like 10 feet off the ground, 8 to 10 feet off the ground, off the, the top of the water. So there he is like, he has to go overboard. Are you with me? So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. What? But when he saw the strong wind, oh, uh, but when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and begin to sink. Have you ever been there before? Like you're doing real good. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh. You look around. In the storm. 
You're doing real good. And then you look around and you think, oh, man, all hell's breaking loose. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And it says that Peter began to sink. Save me, Lord. He shouted, and Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. Oh, don't you love the grace of God? And he says this, you have so little faith. Which is crazy, because Peter just exemplified what we would consider such great faith. And Jesus said, why did you doubt me? And when they climbed, hey, give me that rope. Back into the boat, the wind stopped. How many of the storm will be over? The storm will be over. And the disciples worshiped him. And they said, really, you are the son of God. How do we expand our faith? You know, when I look at this story, I don't look at the doubt of Peter. I mean, Jesus saw his, how little his faith was, but I see how great his faith was. That he was willing to go overboard. Like, that took courage. There's a slogan, a statement from a movie that we watched that said, what can you do with 15 seconds of courage? If you can just have 15 seconds of courage, you could do anything. And I think that's where Peter was. You know, it might have been more than 15 seconds, but he, he just developed enough courage to ask out, Jesus, if you call me, I'll, I'm coming. I can do it too. But the problem is, and I don't know about you, but man, I, I've been right in the middle of that before and looked around and began to sink. Doing pretty good. And then all of a sudden, oh, what happened? Doubt kicks in. It's like we start trying to get out of the van while it's moving. So how do we expand our faith? Number one, you got to shift the if. Everybody say, shift the if. Shift the if. See, Peter was saying, and the other disciples were probably saying it before he ever got into the water, what if you sink? But Peter thought for a minute, what if I don't sink? What if I can walk on the water like Jesus did? Did you know that faith, the greatest demonstration of faith, will be how you place your if? That, that faith and fear both can hinge on this word called if. If. If my bills don't get paid. If the Lord provides Come on. If they're mean to me, if they don't like me, if they don't accept me, if I'm just there to be a blessing, if I don't get free from this addiction, if I don't get healed, if the word of God is true. Shift your if. Fear or faith always start with what if. What if something bad happens? What if something good happens? What if God is as good as he says he is? What if the Bible is true? What if? I mean, I've been in this boat for like over 20 years. Not saying there were no moments where I was starting to sink a little bit. 
because it hadn't been always easy. But I'm telling you, one thing that I've learned is God's a good daddy, and he's a good provider. He takes care of his kids, and he is good. Do you believe that? Then get in the boat or get out of the boat because that's number two. Let me me say this. Ephesians 3.20. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely. I mean, infinitely is a lot. Infinitely more than we may ask or think. God can do more than you can ask or think. I've heard this say about worry one time. It said, worry really works because most of the things that you worry about never happen. Does that make sense? I always think that's clever, but nobody ever laughs when I repeat it. So maybe I don't communicate well. Most of the things you worry about never happen. Why are you so freaked out? Will you trust him? We just trust God. We just trust him. I mean, he really is good. He really does a good job of taking care of his kids. You know, one thing that I've learned is that just like I believe it was David that said in the Psalms, by one of the other Psalms, it says this. It says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Never. Just never seen it. Doesn't happen. Never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen their kids out begging for bread. Never. I haven't seen it. It's not happened. It don't happen. See, God doesn't have the ability to fail. There's certain things God can't do. He can't lie because it's not in his nature to lie. He can't lie or he won't lie. He can't lie. He won't lie. He can't lie. Well, I don't remove the sovereignty of God. No, it just violates his nature. He can't do that. The other thing that God can't do is God can't fail. Can I tell you today that God can't fail you? The question is not whether God, not God's going to fail or not. That's already been dealt with. The question is, will you believe him? So get out of the boat, number two. Get out of the boat. And man, back to that imagination thing, it's tricky, isn't it? I mean, I believe like crazy. Like I'm like, what? People are like, well, I'm not here. That's pretty crazy. Well, I just, I'm foolish enough to believe that God is like way bigger. And he's even bigger than my imagination. I mean, I, I think like some crazy things. Oh, God could do this. What if? Number two, get out of the boat. We've been trying to get to point two. Here we are. Number two, get out of the boat. Oh, I could walk on water. I could see John. You know, John could probably have the confidence to do it. I mean, he's the disciple. And what wasn't it John, you know? Like, why didn't John get out? I mean, he's like the the disciple that had it all together, you know? And here's Peter. I'm just stupid enough to believe God. Lord, if it's you, if you're not a ghost, tell me to come. I'll get I'll I'll come walking. Get out of the boat. What does that mean? Get out of your comfort zone. Get out of the, the, listen, you are not exemplifying faith by living comfortably. That's not faith. Faith is not the comfortable life. Faith is not having, you know, everything just, just right so you can settle down. That's not faith. Come on. That's it. Like our goal is just to be comfortable. You just be more comfortable. Be more comfortable. You're not exemplifying any faith when you're comfortable. Let's just be real. It don't take any faith to sit around and enjoy God's blessing if that's what it is. 
might not be God's blessing. It might be a curse from the enemy that gave you that if it's keeping you comfortable. Oh, remember Abraham, what God told him? Leave and go. Leave. Abraham was a, was a rancher. He had tons of money. And God said, leave and go to the land. I will show you. He hadn't had a vision, but he had a word. He didn't see the land. He didn't look it up on Google and be like, oh, yeah, it looks really good. That's what the Lord's going to give us. That's where we're going. God said, pack your things and go. Do it now. Great faith. You know, we talk about the doubt of Peter, but he was the only one that got out of the boat. Oh, I wouldn't. Are you, have you ever even got out of the boat? I mean, how can you look at that and say it's a doubt story? You haven't even got out of the boat. I'm sure the disciples are all critical. Uh, let's see how long it takes for him to. Let's see. Oh, look, he's like two steps in. He hasn't sunk yet. Oh, he'll just sink in a minute. I'm sure that, that they were totally like envious of him like that. Peter was the only one he walked. I mean, he like at the end, he, he could tell his grandkids. Yeah, you know when Jesus was alive on the earth? Yeah. You know what? One time he was walking on the water and I walked on the water. Get out of the boat. Let me say this. The enemy of great is always good. Y'all might have heard this before. The enemy of great is always good. And we will never experience the greatness of what God has if we are complacent. Hey guys, Pastor Josh here. I want to thank you for tuning into our podcast, whether you do you that like through your little app and listen every well week, to do life, or you're just you listening for the first time. Hey, if the podcast is a blessing to you, if you would, you know, mention us on social media at OverflowDFW or hashtag OverflowDFW. We'd love to hear how we're being an encouragement to you. You can also email us at overflowdfw at gmail.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and here's today's message. Because it is not, God's best is not found in comfort, it's found in faith. We're going to sit around, make excuses about our personality and our bank account and our relationships, make excuses after excuses. When are you going to get out of the boat? When are you going to leave your land and go to the place that God has for you? I don't know about you, but if I was in that boat, I would think that the boat was way safer than the water. Don't you think? <laughs> I mean, let me just be, let me just speak some wisdom to you, Peter. You're probably going to sink if you go out there. I just want to encourage you to pray about this decision, Peter. Maybe you should fast a little bit before you go over the edge of the boat, Peter. Abraham? Are you sure that's all? I mean, you, you developed your whole life building this estate. You're going to leave that? I mean, are you sure that God has something better for you? Get out of the boat. And this is the thing, is that I, I, I think this moment, I think this is what established, started Peter's journey of faith that we see exemplified in the book of Acts. Because faith always starts small. It always starts with one step. It always starts with going over the edge of the boat and taking one step. Faith is always one step at a time, right? That's why Peter didn't continue walking because eventually he stopped. But listen, seed-sized faith has mountain-moving potential. Seed-sized faith has mountain-moving potential. And this is what Jesus told us. He's like, if you just have faith the size of a grain, a grain of the mustard seed, he's like, you can speak to the mountain move and it'll be cast into the sea. Why? Because faith 
is potential. I, I heard a, um, and let me say this also, a weak faith exercised is better than strong faith idle. So you can sit around and go, man, I just trust the Lord. I'm, I'm so full of faith. I'm so, I'm so full of faith. But you're just sitting there not doing anything. It's way better for you to have a, a very little faith, very unstable faith, and exercising that faith than someone who has, quote, unquote, great faith and isn't doing anything. Speak to the mountain, move. All right. A little gospel for you there. No, it didn't sound like it, but it's, it's all right. Um, I heard a message this week by Chris Valadin, and he said this. He said, what would you do if you were 10 times bolder? And he, t- he, he, he told this to some students, and he had them write it down on a piece of paper. It took a few minutes. What would you do? And I asked that question to you today. What would you do if you were 10 times bolder? What would you do? What would you do? If there's one thing that comes to your mind, then fear has reduced you. They hit me like a ton of bricks. So I was like, oh, fear has reduced me. Fear has controlled you. And he goes on to say this, that fear is the most accepted sin in the church. That which is not of faith is sin. What would you do if you were bolder? See, it doesn't matter how much potential we have. If we stay in the boat, it won't matter. the end of the day, Jesus will get in the boat and you'll be comfortable and you'll, you'll get in, but you'll never walk on water. Number three, continue in faith. Number one, shift the if. Number two, get out of the boat. Number three, continue in faith. Peter started sinking when he started functioning in his ability to say, I got this. So when he took his eyes off Jesus, said, oh yeah, I can walk on the water. Oh yeah, look at that. Oh, come on. Yeah, look what I can do. Did you know that everything begins and everything ends in faith? 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we live by faith, not by sight. We start with faith. We continue in faith. Everything is done by faith, in faith, through faith. And with faith, we will finish. We will finish our race in faith. Through faith, in faith, to faith, from faith. It's all about faith. It's all about will I believe God in my life? Or will I live in mediocrity and comfort? Number four, focus on his faithfulness. Notice what Jesus says to Peter in verse 31. He says, why did you doubt me? Not why did you doubt you because your faith is not in you. It's not in your ability or your personality or your bank account or your friends. It's in him. The problem with Peter is he looked at his circumstances. He thought what he could do, and he quit looking at Jesus. Jesus was the one who gave him the ability to do it. And it's not rooted in how solid we are. It's rooted in how unwavering our God is. We focus on his faithfulness. It's not about me. It's not about my wisdom or my knowledge. It's about my faith to believe that he is good and that he is faithful. He is constant, steady, and unchanging. It's not how, listen, it is not how solid you are. It is not how much scripture you have memorized or how loud you can sing and worship or how long you've been doing this thing. It's where is your confidence where is your trust? If our trust is the un- in, in the unshakable one, then we will be unshaken when the storms come. I'm going to say that again. 
Because that would preach a lot better than you aim at it. If our trust is the unsha- in, in the unshakable one, then we will be unshaken when the storm comes. Hebrews 12.2, life verse for me. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher. The author and the perfecter of our faith. For who the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He endured the, sto- the storm. Scorning at shame and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. Look to him who endured such opposition from sinful man so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. God doesn't want you weary. He doesn't want you losing heart. He just wants you in this friend zone, in this relationship zone to say, Lord, it's you and I. And it's hard and it would be so easy for me to look around and see how difficult my circumstances are and my situation. Oh, Lord, I don't know if I can handle that. And uh, I've been this way all my life. And, Lord, I don't know. And he's just saying, will you look to me? I'm the author. I'm the perfecter. I'm going to get you through this. Why did you doubt? Why did Peter doubt? Because he took his eyes off Jesus. It's simple, but it's true. I want to encourage you in this today. God is worthy of your trust. He's trustworthy. And I'm convinced in my life, in the times where I've operated in doubt, that it's because in those moments, I forgot. I quit believing how good God was. I didn't really get out of the car, but I questioned what he said about himself. We're going to talk about hope next week, but Hebrews 10.23 says this, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promises. See, I'll, I'll let you down as your pastor. Your friends will let you down. Your parents will let you down. Your kids, everybody that you know that has skin on will let you down. But my God, my God will never let you down. He will never let you drown. 